Welcome to the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast with Michael Lafito, where top luxury agents reveal their best practices, plus interviews with real estate industry influencers, thought leaders, and luxury marketing experts. You'll come away from each episode with new strategies and tactics to dominate high-end homes in any market. And now for the latest episode of Luxury Listing Specialist, here's your host, luxury real estate expert, coach and trainer, Michael Lafito. Welcome back to another episode of Luxury Specialist. I'm your host, Michael Lafito. You're in for a treat if you're a homeowner or a real estate agent, team leader, broker owner, and you're looking for ways to differentiate your properties that you re represent, your listings from the competitors. I believe that is one of the essential uh, responsibilities of a marketing agent or per se the listing agent is to differentiate your properties from the competition. You know, as we're filming this in many parts of the, the country, there's a shortage of inventory, but I do believe that some sellers and some agents are leaving thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table for high-end and unique properties because they are literally hitting the easy button and they are just going to market with the way the house looks as opposed to positioning and taking the time because you have one time to make a first impression. So uh, you're in for a treat today. I have a special guest, but before I bring her on, just a reminder, if you have any questions whatsoever uh, during this uh, show, you can shoot me an email. Uh, best way to send me an email is just Michael at marketingluxurygroup.com, Michael at marketingluxurygroup. You see it on the screen, Michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. And for those of you that are watching our live stream, literally, you can just type in your comments in the uh, comment section. You can type in your questions in the comment section, whether you're watching this on Facebook, on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, YouTube, uh, just go ahead and type in your questions in the comment section. You know, uh, I speak across the world, speak at a lot of different events, work with a, top, a lot of top luxury agents, and I'm very honored to have what I think, uh, and, and very lucky to have what I think is the best stager uh, in the business, and she happens to be in my backyard, and I happen to work with her. Matter of fact, uh, two of our last big $2 million plus stage properties, the buyers end up buying the stage furniture, right? We call that turnkey. Uh, we didn't advertise it for sale, but they loved the job she did where they end up buying uh, the actual furniture part of the deal. So uh, from that standpoint, many buyers are looking for the easy button and they don't want to take the time to go shop and you know recreate the scene of the area rug and and the and the couch and the sofa and the artwork. So uh, that is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about staging homes, positioning homes. Um, again, go ahead and type in your, your question in the comment section if you're watching this. But before we do that, I got to give you a little background on this property. I have been marketing this property. It's a little misleading because it was under contract for over two years. I won't go into how it was under contract over two years. I could do a whole uh, separate episode on that. But um, so the market time is a little misleading, uh, but technically speaking, I've been trying to market this home for sale and have been marketing it since 2000 and February of 2017. So literally it was 
on the market with me technically for six and a half years. We were under contract for about two and a half. So four years of real true market time. Took four years to market. Michael Jordan's home has been on for over 10 years. Okay. So the Chicagoland market, particularly above two and a half million dollars, although it's been stronger over the COVID last two to three years since 2020, it still is no Naples. It's still no Hamptons uh, compared to some of the stronger markets. We have a lot of wealth leaving the state because uh, of taxes, corruption, and regulations. Um, but that's a whole nother episode. We could cover that as well. So, uh, so today I want to just give you that background. So this property had been on for a long time. Uh, my clients are a little bit older, um, 80 and 78. And uh, the person that was going to buy the home, uh, we canceled the deal and uh, they moved out. And so we tested the market for a few months with it empty, neutral, but empty. And we had a lot of uh, showing some interest. We did a lot of open houses there but no offers. So I challenged and suggested to my sellers, hey, we really, are, <coughs> excuse me, we really ought to think about staging this home uh, and we'll retake photos, re-photograph the home. And I think it will be more neutral and appeal to a larger pool of buyers. And um, they agreed to at least get the proposal and they were hesitant. They wanted to wait till spring because homes don't sell in their mind in November, December, January, and February. It's too cold. Let's wait till the spring. And I reminded them, you only have one time for a first impression. And what if that buyer is looking in November and they find another home because your home isn't staged? So they agreed to stage it. And guess what? We actually, the first person who saw it post-staging bought it. They actually saw it the morning of the staging. We staged it on a Wednesday and the buyer didn't have any flexibility so they said 10 a.m for the showing and the stager was showing up around 11 11 30 and they couldn't move the the showing back later in the day even though i tried so they saw it empty they seemed to like it i said hey come back uh, on thursday afternoon or friday and sh sure enough they came back on friday and they put an offer in a few days later so that's the background and i want to bring in the magician herself uh, Margaret Gear from uh, Chicagoland Home Staging. Margaret, can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. How are you yes, doing? Thank you. This looks like one of your staging uh, jobs behind me. You got beautiful artwork. You got nice greenery there. We got a nice lamp. This looks like what you, you do with some of the properties we represent and uh, that you've staged. So thanks for your time. Thanks for joining us today on Luxury Specialist. And uh, as I mentioned, our listeners are in for a treat if you want to hear it from one of the best stagers in the industry. And um, Margaret, a lot of times we kid around off camera and you say that I like attracting those difficult and unique properties. I, I feel like I have a track record, um, almost like as a kid, when someone puts a kick me sign on the back and people are like, why is everybody kicking me? I feel like sometimes I have a sign on me that says, if you're difficult, if you are unique, if you are custom, taste specific, Give the Michael Lafito and the Lux Group a call. Uh, we can get it sold. And I do, you know, prove them wrong. I do have a big motto that we like to sell other properties that other agents uh, fail at. But four years of market time on, on, on that bad boy, uh, and you helped us. So thank you so much. Tell everybody a little bit about how long you've been staging homes, and then we'll kind of get into your philosophy and what you, uh, how you assess a property and, and what your goal is. I'm sure it's a case by case 
uh, scenario. Every house is different. But tell everybody a little bit about you, how, how long you've been staging, and, and um, we'll get right into things. Well, thank you very much. That was a really nice introduction. And um, uh, I have been in the staging industry for going on uh, almost 20 years. Uh, so we're about 19 right now and 2024 will hit 20. Uh, it's been a long road, right? So it, things have really changed in the last 20 years, especially in regards to staging and marketing and how you package your home. So um, currently we are based out of Naperville, Illinois, and uh, we have a 15,000 square foot space that we uh, keep all of our furniture and accessories and such in. We have 14 employees, three trucks. And um, so we, we've really developed it over time. And it's really moved into the luxury market probably maybe four years ago, four or five years ago, we've really moved into the luxury market. Well, you know, I have uh, one of the things that we teach agents across the country, and I think you call it a lookbook. I call it something else, but I call it our before and after case studies. So we've created hardbound books, uh, I call them before and after books. And um, one of the properties that uh, that you've staged uh, in here was the Villa Taj, okay, the Taj Mahal in in. <laughs> in Burr Ridge, right? I had to rebrand the name, right? Uh, this house was a stigmatized property, took on millions of gallons of water. It was known as the Villa Taj. Other agents laughed that I took on this uh, assignment, this challenge, if you will. And uh, you did a terrific job of staging that property. We rebranded it towards uh, the Palace Royale. But, but bottom line is you uh, will stage cute and small. You don't just do the mansions. Uh, we have you work a, a bunch of our properties, but uh, I look at a home when I go to market a home is every home is different. I don't have a one size fits all marketing plan, right? So I look at it as a bespoke. Every property is different. What are the strengths of a home? What are the weaknesses? What do I want to accentuate? What do I want to downplay location wise? What are the amenities, et cetera? Tell me a little bit about what you look at as a stager when you show up to a property, whether it be myself or another top luxury agent, and and you're seeing it for the first time, are you are you getting are you collaborating with the agent, saying, hey, what do you think? Here's what I think. Are you are you assessing it first and sharing that assessment? T talk to me a little bit about the philosophy of a top stager when you're assessing a property. Well, I do really believe in being collaborative. I believe that we do work together and every, every agent that we work with, including you have, um, ha have a, a process that you go through. When I, when I, uh, enter a home, I'm not wowed by these, you know, multi-million dollar properties. My job is to figure out what's the best features the positives and what are the negatives? Where are the objections in the home? How do I turn a 40 minute showing into a two hour showing? So where do we create start, start points, stop points? We're kind of like, I would have to say the secret sauce in many agents toolboxes. So when I, when I'm going there, I'm just really taking in the house as a buyer would, and I'm finding key points where I can improve. So uh, it's really all about how we, I think of how we, we package it. So I'm thinking about packaging and then that can include many things, the package. So you uh, brought up a good point. So you look at it, you're not overly wowed or, or, or impressed. You know, that reminds me, I have uh, one of our co-authors for our next book coming out called Secrets of Top Luxury Agents, Terry Sprague. Terry is out of 
the West Coast. He runs Lux uh, Properties. He's a Forbes Global Property Agent. You see a picture of Terry on your screen right now. Terry does some of the best lifestyle videos of anybody in, in, in the industry, but he shares a story on how he, he lost a, a listing once, which later they did hire him and he got it sold. And they said, well, we didn't think you liked your our home because he was looking at it from a doctor perspective, right? When you go into a doctor, you know, they're they're prescribing what needs to be done. They're not telling you how good you look and how this is great. They're there to solve a problem. And so I look at you the same way and I'm the same way. And sometimes you have agents on either end of the perspective. They're too busy to somebody and they're not prescribing the medicine. Or you have some people like Terry initially when he went into the industry, he was like that doctor and he was so focused on the end result. He didn't build up much rapport. And so he decided, you know what, I have to reflecting on myself. If I were to be in competition against myself, what would be one thing somebody would say that I could do a better job? And that would be you know, letting the owner know how excited you are, letting the owner know of their special features and what's unique about the home. And then after you've built their rapport, letting them know what are some things that, to help get them through the finish line. And, and would you agree with that assessment that you got to be a little bit careful when, when you're meeting with the owner, you want to build the rapport versus going right into, hey, you got to do this, this and this, or hey, you don't care, you go right into it. No, I, I'd say I, I care. No, I, I want it to be a good experience for the seller. So, and, you know, there is not one size fits all. So this is a customized plan. Sometimes the most obvious thing would do the trick, but they're not willing to invest the time, money or whatever. So you have to go to plan B and then plan C. You have to find a spot where the seller is comfortable. And uh, and then in my opinion, what, that I feel good about recommending, that's going to offer some results. So you can get to a point where you're not doing enough to have any results. And then at that point, I might share that with you too. So it really just depends on, um, you know, diff different things with the seller and, you know, what the goals are, timing. Well, there are a lot of variables. Yeah. So there are a lot of variables and, and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, right now you and I are um, in discussions with the homes, homeowner. The, this property is very unique. It's a, almost a historical home. Got a really funky floor plan, if you will. And um, they're already trying to pull things out of your staging proposal. And uh, you've tactfully let them know that in the big grand scheme of things, it's not going to do much to save them money, but it will hurt the overall positioning of a home because it's so unique that a, I, I like to say a confused mind won't buy. So if you go to a store, if there's an online ad and it's not simple, keep it simple, stupid. If it's not simple, the confused mind won't buy. When somebody's looking at a home and I'm showing a property uh, actually tomorrow for a second time, it's 1.9 million. You know the property in Wheaton that uh, hopefully they're going to hire you. I'm showing it to a buyer before it's staged and they saw it in the evening. They want to come back during the day, but it's got such a unique floor plan. It's got such custom and personalized furniture that, that that's what you do. You unpersonalize it. And then you also, I believe, you do such a great job of knowing what the, the focal points of each room are. And then you build the room, you build your furniture layout and design and area rugs and artwork around the focal point so that the touring of the home and the, the touring and the flow of each room, uh, they're drawn to the best features. Is that one of, would you say the positioning of, a, of the furniture and 
is maybe just as important as the actual updated style of furniture, where you actually place it? Or would you say placement's not as important as the actual furniture itself? Placement is probably more important than the furniture. Scale is really important for, for these big homes. But uh, no, you create stop points, um, lanes to view, things to gaze at. So it's a start stop. It's like I call it the yellow brick road. So the yellow brick road just leads you along there. You're not consciously thinking about where you're going. You're just following the road. It you know tells you where to fork, where to turn, where to stop. You know, so th that's exa exactly what we're doing. So we're using part science, part, part art. So the science part is really the, um, the, the placement, the design, um, the, uh, creating an environment that uh, has a lot of psychology involved in it, ownership. Uh, and then the art is really, you know, placing the thing. So you need to have that art uh, that tells you what looks good. Uh, mm -hmm. What's going to photograph well, how are you going to get good marketing photos? Yeah, no, that's great. Great point. Um, I want to, you know, let's get right into this particular property, which I think will uh, lead to some additional questions. Uh, so, this property, I'm going to share with you the before pictures right now. So this is how the, the home looked when we had it on the market a few months ago before they decide to stage with Margaret. So again, home was built in 2006, 2007, a very Tuscan exterior, very Tuscan specific. Um, but on the inside, right, you had this real heavy slate uh, kitchen floor, uh, very heavy, dark cabinets. Um, so let me let me go through some. These are the before pictures. You know, take a look at you know the how things are rooms are vacant. In this case, you have really big uh, bar stools. Um, so these are some of the before. This is a, a hearth room right off of uh, the kitchen area. Uh, you know, lower level little kitchen. Um, so we we let me get right more into the some of the family room pictures here. I'm going through these kind of quick. Uh, let me let me pull up the family room pictures, uh, and let me see here. So this is the exterior of the home, as I was mentioning. So if I were to this, these photos were taken in February, March. If I were meeting with a homeowner in September, some of the things I would be telling them would be power wash the hardscape, get some of this discoloration here. You got some green moss here, right? So first impressions are really important. Matter of fact, that property in, that you and I are uh, hopefully going to be working on here in uh, in South Wheaton, I just had them do tons of power washing, tons of exterior maintenance because here in the Midwest, you know, here we are filming this. It's December. It's 50 degrees today, which is great, but that's rare. It probably won't get to 50 degrees consistently till April again. So they have four and a half, five months before they can address those exteriors. So being proactive versus reactive is really important. So this house had a cool indoor pool, uh, you know, had a, a nice family room. Uh, here's the upstairs of the library. So I didn't even showcase too much of the family room, uh, unfortunately, because it was vacant. So these are the afters. So entryway, the, the foyer, right? When you walk in, uh, you have some beautiful millwork and you did a nice job of just contrasting some colors a little bit almost modernizing it talk to me about as i'm showing some of these what was going through your mind if this is just kind of standard or no in this instance mike we really wanted to focus on something 
I mean, this house, I wanted to do a little bit more painting. I really wanted to lighten it up. It was a very dark house. So one of the things we'll look at is what's happening in this price point and other real estate. So what are new builders building today? And it wasn't this. So even though it was amazing, and even though it is, you know, got fabulous features, it isn't what, a, you know, their biggest buyer pool is looking for. So we tried to bring in a more modern top layer that still felt at home in this house. And then um, we used very light. So we were trying to add lamps, we were trying to add light carpets, uh, we were trying to um, stop like turn your eye to something else besides all of the millwork. Honestly, it was almost overwhelming. And so we just tried to yeah, show- We wanted them to paint this room, remember? We wanted yeah. them to paint these little, this drywall areas in between the millwork so it would be all kind of uniform, almost like the foyer. We, we wanted them to kind of go with this look, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. And they, they because that's what you, you do see some of this in new construction today, correct? Right. Yeah. And so they, they objected. The other thing they objected, which we finally got them on board, and that's part of what a good marketer's job is to explain and articulate, give your clients options so they know the pros and the cons. So our painter painted this house. And this, if you recall, these sellers did not want you to hang any artwork on their freshly painted walls. And so I went to the painter and I said, tell me what you would charge to repair any holes from the the artwork because I'll pay for it out of my own pocket if it doesn't sell. So I went back to the sellers and said, listen, you have nothing to worry about because they were thinking worst case scenario. They've been trying to sell for a long time. What if we decide to stage it for three to five, six months? It becomes too expensive and we took the staging out and now there's holes in the walls. What do we do then? So I alleviated that concern and said, I talked to my painter, I'll pay him directly will touch up those areas and they agreed in your opinion the, the the artwork that hangs from the walls is much more effective than if you lean it against the wall correct correct you're gonna that's really more of a photo styling so even though this house has nice photos um it really was really you felt the difference in the house i mean it was an amazing transformation of all right so people. here here we have the family room, which, you know, through those windows, you know, down a level is the indoor pool, which is very unique. But in this room, again, same thing. We wanted them to paint, ideally, this this wall here. So everything was all uniform in color and not checkered board, but they de declined. So sometimes you get pushback, right? And so you're going to make a list of suggestions and a seller's probability of selling faster for more money is much higher when they do more things than it is when they do less. And I tell them that, hey, if Margaret gives you 23 things and you do 18, you're gonna be better off than if you only did 13. You're not as good if you did all 23, but pick and choose, right? And so sometimes you get sellers, not just my clients, but other agents that really push back on some things, right? They're, they're offended or they love certain things, right? They're in love with their home and control. They're afraid of giving up their style and their look, or maybe they have guests over and they say, oh, it was better with your stuff. Or what, do you deal with that sometimes? We do. And, and we don't stage to stage. So we really are looking for the plan that's going to best help the seller. So like, for example, when we recommended painting that that, that wall and all that, um, those little boxes, um, when they declined that they that was not a direction they wanted to go, then I had to come up with plan B. So plan B makes the staging even more important. 
So really, it's just what your eye sees. So when you went into this big room, when it was empty, your eye just went everywhere. It couldn't focus on anything. The room was huge. And you just couldn't envision yourself living there. So the furniture made it comfortable. It put everyone at ease. They could walk in. They could take the room in slowly. You didn't notice some of the jaded features, like the lighting and things like that. Or you just made it so it was more that they could do it on their own timeline or, you know, they, you know, made it easier. So mm -hmm. remove some of the overwhelming. Well, this home, this home showed dark, not just because of the floors, but the millwork, the paint. Uh, we didn't even have a chance to do that, but you and I have worked together long enough where we know that the natural daylight light bulbs make a huge difference, replacing the yellow can lights, et cetera. So that's a, something you can do. I recently changed out 50 light bulbs on a property that we represent. So one thing I love that you do is you, br you bring, bring in real lamps that are functional and they're plugged in. So this room was dark. So, you know, for showings, we turned on, uh, of course, the lamps. You also bring in accessories for bookshelves just to kind of soften it up a little bit. And here's that family room uh, from a different angle, and you can see the, the front door there. And you tend to bring in some pretty tone, uh, uh, neutral, earth tone area rugs. Not a lot of designs, right? Because you're trying to simplify. Not overpower. We want to complement. I always call our staging quiet. So it's, uh, it's, it's still appropriate for the price point, but we don't want to overtake the all all that's going on in the house our job isn't to decorate um it's to complement good just a reminder if you're getting value from this episode or previous episodes leave us a like leave us a review our guests are uh, donating their time and we appreciate your time margaret and your expertise as well as all of our previous guests uh this is uh, episode 270 you're listening to episode 270 of the luxury specialist podcast um, all right, let's let's go on a little bit. So here's the office. It was a gorgeous office. I mean, millwork, but a lot of millwork, right? So especially when it was vacant. Now they did have a, a desk in there, but you brought in an area rug. You brought in a different chair. You brought in some, you know, as you can see from the bookshelves, just some some greenery, some some backdrops, and it had a nice little sitting room off of the office as well so you brought in the area rug the chairs the, the louis vuitton book the paris book the artwork um so what was your goal with with these two areas it was pretty much the same try to lighten it up make it feel real you know i walked in this room and i was overwhelmed so if i walk in and i'm overwhelmed by having you know enough room for 4,000 books. So not everybody has 4,000 books. So how can we make this work for, you know, the most likely buyer today? Uh -huh. I, mean, I, I can't stress enough how, how important it is to have a stager on your team, because we, we really, our sole goal is to make it work for you. Our goal is to help you sell it. And if you're successful, your seller is successful, and we're kind of behind the scenes, we're like the secret sauce. So we're, you know, so I would say that not all stagers can do this, but you need uh, some can. So you need to make sure that you align with one that uh, really knows your market, can work in the market you're in. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, one uh, guest uh, says, great information. Thank you. So thanks for tuning in. All right. So now we're looking at the kitchen. So you brought in, you know, again, ideally, there, you know, you could bring in some area rugs, but because of the width of the walkways, you can't, you don't want to have a bunch of runners and everything else. So you decided to bring in lower stools, uh, solid color stools, and then you handed 
uh, excuse me, you hung some artwork. Um, you brought in, you know, some other pictures as well and some uh, cookbooks and that kind of stuff. And then here you have the breakfast area off the kitchen. Same thing, uh, a an area rug, circular table, some pillows. Um, then you have the hearth room. Again, same thing, lamps. It was a dark room. You brought in a floor uh, to, you know, six foot lamp as well as a coffee table lamp. So these, you really, and then here, then we have the dining room. So would you agree, um, you and I have talked offline, but um, you primarily will stage the main floor and then the primary bedroom. That's at the very minimum what you usually suggest, correct? Correct. It's usually where the buying decision is made. So and we then, concentrate on what makes a buyer say yes and what areas they don't care about. Okay. So here's the primary bedroom you brought in. Literally the bed, the area rug, the chairs, the little uh, basket with, with uh you know, little accessories, you brought in some pillows. And then I'm going to fast forward and, and then we'll get back into some things. And then you also stage the lower level. So again, depending on where our listeners are, we have basements here in the Midwest and, and many times they're an extension of the house. So in this case, you stage the lower level, you stage Villetage or the, the big one before. Typically, you don't do that. Um, do you typically ask the, the real estate agent, hey, what do you think about the, the lower level? Or are you typically going to the agent saying, I don't know what their budget is, but it's such a big home. We recommend this as well or, or, or both. Well, I think a lot of that will depend on the agent, um, but you like basements done. You know, it really, these lower levels really support the number. They support the listing price. So a lot of times having the lower level staged and all tricked out, you know, really can push someone over the edge. If I feel like your days on market based on our research and our data is the same, I'll, I'll share that too. So mm -hmm. if budget becomes an issue, we'll, you know, we'll eliminate some rooms that still give us good days on market after staged. Funny that I don't generally care when we stage a house. I don't care what the days are on market before we stage. Our data is the same, whether it's been on the market for two years or coming on clean. First oh, time. That's great. And you have what's called a lookbook. So for those of you that are watching, um, you know, if they're interviewing stagers, they don't know what to look for, what to ask. What are some things would you recommend to our listeners when maybe they have some some choices in stagers? Uh, what what would be one or two key things they should think about? They should factor in when deciding which stager is best for the recommendation. Because you're a reflection on me, good, bad, just like my painter is, my electrician. You yeah. do a terrible job. You, you know you don't follow up. Um, whatever it might be is a is a, a negative mark on me as well as when you do a great job which you do it's a positive review on me so tell me what should they look for in a stager i would probably one of the first things i would ask is what is their average price point that they work with work in so like us i know that our average listing is 1.2 million so if your average a house that you're listing is, you know, $1 million and your stager works mainly in four to eight, then you might need to beware because there's a whole set of different rules there. Uh, so that would be the first thing. I would look at photos. I have found that all stagers, some real estate agents as well, say the same words, right? So you go to meet a client and it's like they're reading from a script and they're the same words. So 
it, you, so you need to back up those words with photos, testimonials, uh, referrals. So you need to um, differentiate yourself between everyone else. So um, for sitting where I am and, and watching, working in the real estate world and including the stagers. So I might go somewhere and I know that that stager could never, ever do what we're doing for any price. So I do an experience. So experience in the luxury market really makes a difference. You need someone with experience. You need someone insured. You need to make sure that if something happens, they have workman's comp. Are they independent contractors or are they employees? Because if you hire an independent contractor, or I hire an independent contractor, and we go and work in one of your homes and something happens, they actually open the door to that independent contractor suing your homeowner, suing you, suing me. So if something happens and they get hurt on a job. So it's really important that they are W-2 employees that they have coverage or workman's comp coverage. So when anybody comes into our home, we have to think about these things. And I've been around long enough to know that, you know, stuff happens. Yeah. So yeah. even to the best. So those are a few of the things, but it's very visual. So staging is very visual. Well, um, Margaret, I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, again, my stager, I think the best in the industry, some really great nuggets you shared uh, today for our listeners, whether you're a newer agent, you're a seasoned veteran, you're a broker owner, team leader, uh, Margaret, and if where can somebody find out more information about your company? What's your website? It's Chicago Land Home Staging. So in this market, we call it Chicago Land because we're like the suburbs around yeah. Chicago, right? So it's Chicago Land Home Staging. You can find us on our website there or on Instagram. So Instagram will give you a good idea of what we do too. So a lot of our photos are uh, there. We It's all our work that's on there. So. And ChicagolandHomestaging.com, correct? Yep. All right, you see it on the screen right there, ChicagolandHomestaging.com. Uh, for more information, to get some ideas. If you're watching in Nashville, you're watching somewhere else, you can go to the website as well and just literally, uh, you know, ask questions or share with your stager in Nashville or wherever you're listening and uh, they can get some ideas. Margaret, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be in touch and I really appreciate uh, all that you do for me and for the industry. Thanks so much. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. All right. So guys, that was Margaret. She is literally the best uh, of the best. And just a reminder, those of you that are watching, you need to create your own before and after, your your own case studies. Okay. So when I go on appointments, I'm not the bad guy. I'm showing them results, results, results. Again, they're interviewing me because they want results, right? They're not interviewing me. They don't go to that, that surgeon, that doctor, that specialist to be told how good they are. They go to that special, say, here's what you need to do to get that ankle back to where it needs to be or get that knee so that we don't have the inflammation anymore. Okay, so that's why they're special. You need to think, that's why our course, our designation, we teach agents across the world, we're not luxury generalists, we're luxury specialists, we're marketing specialists. Don't think like a real estate agent, think like a marketer, there's a calculated difference. So again, always think about ways that you can document as well. So. You know, on the screen, you're going to see here in a minute, we are putting together our own before and after of this 831 Diane, just like I know Margaret will. Margaret will leverage this. This is going to be a great opportunity for her. This house has been on for years. Okay, it was on since 2015, technically, so eight years, even if it was under contract for over two, called six years. And the first buyer that came through after it was staged, 
end up writing an offer. And so you want to create your own before and afters. You can do them on Word docs. You can do them on PDFs, but you want to create your own before and afters. That's a difference. You have testimonials and you have case studies. You need to have both. You need to have five-star Google reviews because again, the number one question, the number one question I had undercover billionaire Glenn Stearns on. We have our next book coming out called Secrets of Top Luxury Agents. I got to show you this. Our next book coming out called Secrets of Top Luxury Agents. And I have two billionaires in the book. And one of the billionaires who wrote the foreword to my book is Glenn Stearns from Undercover Billionaire. Literally, if you haven't seen it, it's on Discovery Channel. Uh, Undercover Billionaire, Glenn Stearns. We have icons in this book. I'm so excited. I can, Julie Foppel, Elena Cardone. I got Jack Cotton. He's like, I think the, the godfather of luxury real estate out of Cape Cod. He's amazing. And we have some amazing agents and we have some future uh, luxury specialists in there. It's literally, I'm biased, but I do believe it's going to be a bestseller. But the number one question that Glenn Stearns, because he's bought properties in you know, secondary homes, vacation homes. The number one question he agreed with me, and I asked him if this is the number one question he asked himself when he's deciding on which agent is best to represent him to help him find something is, can I trust you? That is what the consumer is asking themselves. Can I trust you? And so if you have case studies after case studies, you have testimonials, you have reviews, you put educational videos out there, you have a higher probability that they'll trust you. Again, my name is Michael Lafito. If you have questions, please send me an email. Again, my email's on the screen. It's simply michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. And if you're getting value from this episode, please leave us a like, leave us a review, let another colleague know about it. Until next time, my name is Michael Lafito. Prove others wrong. Take care, everybody.